ปิตังปฏิตังตุมหังกิปปะเมวะสมิจจตุสัพเพปุเรนตุสังคปาจันโตปนรัสโสยถามณิโชธิรัสโสยถาสัพพิทิโยวิวัชฉันตุสัพพ
alternative way, a legitimate way of, of talking about study and practice of Buddhism um, is to is to quote the the last line of many of the ceremonies that we we perform. Um, when we say "pura that's a very succinct um, summary. So, um, but it's also one that demands we um, use our intelligence and wisdom to, to look into the meaning of the key phrases. So, what is Kwam Suk? What is Brayot? Mm-hmm. And notice also this So this is idea of, of our life one and we are seeking to educate ourselves um, in the nature of happiness so that we can access, we can enjoy um, a more superior kind of happiness and be able to share that with others. We're looking into, and what does it really mean, Briyod? What is our benefit, short-term, long-term, both for ourselves, our families, the society we live in? So, I think that when we when we look at uh, Buddha's teachings, it's it's valuable to look at in terms of um, being asked questions rather than. We go to Buddhist teachings for like a, a set of answers about what life is. But uh, I believe what the Buddha is, is teaching, what I try to teach is I want to encourage you to, to look at your life and learn about your life from your own experience, take a real interest. And particularly in your, uh, these most basic kind of um, experiences of pleasure and pain, happiness, unhappiness, and to realize that you have incredible inner resources that you can deal very skillfully with everything that life throws at you if you're willing to apply the teachings of the Buddha consistently and systematically and very patiently step by step. One famous teacher said, practicing the Dhamma he said, it's, it's not like going out in a rainstorm. I meaning, you know, you, see, you go out and suddenly, you know, you're dripping wet from the rain and you're very aware of it. He said, it's more, it's more like you go out in the fog or the mist and you don't quite realize you're getting wet, but when you come back, your, your coat, your clothes are soaked. So this is gradually absorbing uh, the Dhamma. And the results of meditation, a daily meditation practice are very rarely going to be really kind of spectacular, like, wow, you know, that's why, that's what meditation's all about. You may have those kind of wow experiences every now, but then, uh, now and again, but they're not the point. But um, hopefully, if you, um, you steadily and consistently apply this, it has an effect on the whole way you live your life, on your value system, on the things that you enjoy, the things that bring you, bring you happiness, and the ways and your skill in being able to um, bring happiness to others. I think um, on a, 
on a social level here, we know that there's almost unprecedented um, amount of conflict and dissension in the society at the moment. And we're in a, almost, in a unique period, at least from my memory, um, over 30 years in that formerly, as you know, um, when there's been a lot of conflict or dissension in the society, one of the main refuges or the main refuge on social level has been the monarchy. Um, but over the past year or two, then the monarchy has been sucked into the whole um, social conflict and can't stand apart um, and provide that kind of refuge that it used to, unfortunately. But I would suggest that the institution or the um, the refuge um, that does remain for everyone, whatever their political opinions, whatever their social standing, um, is Buddhism. Uh, Buddhism is, as you know, not the religion of everyone in the country, um, but at least nominally, it's the religion of over 90% of the people. So compared with many other countries, there's an incredible kind of unity um, and, or at least the potential for for unity in this country because of that very sh that um, shared uh, cultural religious foundation and so um, think returning to that when we say well how when people have so many different different opinions very strongly held opinions passionate opinions then um, it's not it's not feasible, it's not really practical um, to, uh, to expect those, those differences to fade away. There are genuine grievances amongst different parts of, uh, in different parts of society. We've had a very uneven and often uh, unfair um, uh, economic social development of the country over the past so many years. I mean, that unfairness has always been there. But if, even if we accept that differences and conflicts have a legitimate basis, then we can always step back and, and put them into a larger context. And, and the larger context is a shared set of values. And I think that this is something as Buddhists that we can look to Buddhism um, to provide us with a shared set of values. Um, now if that is, um, is there in the background, then divisions and conflicts are, are, not, are not such a big deal. Actually they're quite a sign of quite a healthy um, society and one in which different people feel that they can speak up for their own interests. And there are always going to be differing interests in, in the country between people living in the city, people living in the country, between uh, people in different areas of, of the economy. Um, but if there is a, a shared commitment to certain values, and I would say particularly in our case in Buddhism, in, in Thailand of Buddhist values, then, then I feel that's at least some grounds for, for optimism. So it's, but what's really important is that really come back and, and develop this awareness of what are our common Buddhist values. So, and, and so these have been kind of ignored or put to one side for a long time now.
But uh, one one way to one way into this is to to say what are our goals as a society, say for in a 50-year period or a 100-year period. If we talk about like a five-year period, then we immediately um, for the whole focus is on economic matters and, and the um, sort of material values. But if we think, well, what, what, kind of, what kind of society would you like your children to grow up in? What kind of society would you like your grandchildren to grow up in? You know, so, so this kind of big picture about what, how do we want to live together as a society? What kind of values um, do we want to uphold and to really um, strengthen? And what kind of values do we find are really harmful? And, and I think that um, stepping back from the, the sort of the day-to-day -day kind of conflicts and pressures and tensions, and that's a skill that does come through meditation, you'll be able to take this big picture without having to identify with any particular group or any particular um, um, section of society. I would think, I would suggest, for instance, just this is a big um, issue, something we don't have time to go into today, but I, I would say that um, one Buddhist value is that um, is a rejection of the idea that the end justifies the means. I, I think this, the end justifies the means is one of the most kind of poisonous ideas that's out there in the world and it's caused so much problem. The idea is if you're absolutely convinced that what you're doing um, is right and you have a legitimate goal, therefore you should uh, certain cases be willing to compromise on the methods that you use to, to attain that goal because overall in the, in the end it's going to be worth it. But once you start compromising on your methods, then you, you, lose, you lose yourself. Um, I, I can't say lose your soul because I'm Buddhist, but uh, you get this general idea. You know, you lose your whole reason uh, for, for being. And so, uh, and this is how we've seen um, this kind of violence and violent attacks um, each other appearing in the society because people feel uh, that yes, well, violence is not such a good thing, but in certain cases, it's uh, the most effective means of attaining goals. But this idea that the path and the and the goals, or in, in Buddhism, the path and the fruit, um, they have to be consistent. Um, and and if you don't, if you're just expecting sometime in the future everything will work out, and then you can be moral. But in the meantime, you may have to be immoral or unethical for the time being. And the question is, well, when, when do you turn? You know, when do you change and, and go back to ethical principles again? So, the um, Buddhist teaching again is that one of coming back to the realities rather than the ideas and the concepts and the philosophies and the so on. What's the basic reality? The basic reality is. We're human beings, we've been born, we're getting older day by day, we're going to get sick, we're going to die. Everyone else, we're all in the same boat, this is going to happen. So this isn't kind of sort of being an idealistic kind of way of looking at, at the human race, um, trying to make ourselves feel better, 
But it's the truth. It's really the truth that the things that unite us and make us similar as human beings are far more than the things that separate us. And we just need to change our, our focus uh, a little bit and to come back to these basic realities of what, what's really going on in our lives and how we're relating to ourselves, how we're relating to our bodies, how we're treating our, ourselves, how we treat the people around us. And so it's not, uh, if uh, Buddhism is uh, uh, not a religion that says, you know, in the end all that matters is what you believe in. Because people who believe in high ideals and, and wonderful, noble things do awful, terrible uh, things. Uh, there's, there's, there can be few crueler um, groups of people than people who are absolutely convinced that they're right and they're doing something for a good cause. People become absolutely ruthless um, when they're convinced that they're right. So we need that sense of humility and sense of um, not taking ourselves and our ideas and everything so seriously and being willing to listen. Um, I, um, I had the um, opportunity to, to listen to um, uh, President Obama when he was first elected. And he's, I was, um, I know probably a lot of you saw this um, when he was in the sports field with his family. And I really liked when he said that uh, the, the people that he was um, most keen on listening to were the people who didn't elect him and people who didn't agree with him. And, and I think that this is a, a sign, very, very mature attitude. So, you know, it's when someone has very different opinions to you, then not dismissing them as idiots or being selfish or having some kind of um, hidden agenda, but giving actually more attention, more respect, um, to more time to the people who don't agree with you than to the people that do agree with you. Otherwise, it's just like preaching to the converted and you're just hearing the same things over and over again. And this, again, um, some years ago, um, many years ago, governments controlled all the media. And so it's very easy for governments to, um, to mold and, and to decide, you know, on the interpretation of events. And um, I remember um, some 20 years ago being in Ubon, and there was a, it's like a war going on, on the, in the border. There were hundreds of Thai soldiers who were killed and injured, and that was never ever reported in any of the media or the paper. And you could do things like that um, 20 years ago. You could have like hundreds of soldiers die and nobody know about it. But you can't do that anymore. That's a good thing. But... Um, with the um, liberalization of the media and with small video cameras and camera phones and all these new technologies, um, there's that much more information out there. But what's happened is um, that now, rather than people opening up and becoming more broad-minded, um, people choose uh, the the TV stations, the blogs, the websites that they already agree with. And so you can be more narrow-minded now than, than, than ever before, except uh, you're choosing the area in which you can be narrow-minded rather than having somebody in authority choosing it for you. 
So that that um, willingness to to listen um, and the skill and the art of listening is one that's really worth um, uh, applying yourself to. It's not an easy art to learn, um, but it is one which is very very beneficial. So. Um, saying is that I feel that applying oneself to um, study of Buddhism, study of the teachings, but in particular the practice and the effort to integrate them into your life, not just, okay, now I'll do a 10-15 minute meditation every day, that's it. It's, it's, it's your life. It's a whole different way of, of looking at your life and looking at your life in terms of things that lead to happiness, true happiness, and goodness, and peace, and, um, and wisdom, and uh, for yourself, and for others, and, and inclining your mind more and more towards them in the way you live your life. And those things that lead to your mind becoming dark, and selfish, and, and unfeeling, and dishonest, um, then moving away from those things. And your ability to discern in daily life which is which, what's what, right's, what's right, what's wrong. You develop this inner moral compass from this work of meditation, looking within more and more and more. So when you're sitting in meditation, that's a very kind of focused, intense way of looking, looking within. But that's not the, the end of it. It's you develop that ability in your daily life. So you begin to feel like you, you have this sense of groundedness, you know, that you're not just sort of floating in the wind according to circumstances, according to what's going on in your life, but you really feel this sense of being centered. And we say centered and grounded, if you can understand those kinds of feelings and notice them in yourself. <clears throat> so um, the you know, really suggest that you, um, you, you try to take this away with you and to reflect on it more, read around. There's lot, lots of stuff to read these days and stuff on the web that you can look at. And um, there's um, all kinds of uh, websites now where people uh, can get together and talk about meditation and talk about Buddhism. And uh, so even if you feel a bit isolated um, over in America or wherever you're living and you don't have those many people, then these days that this is something modern technology does give us. It kind of um, can give us a sense of community in a way and a sense of a shared um, uh, interest and peer group. Um, so, you know, applying this, I um, said before about um, tension and grief. Just a very small point here is that when something very, uh, when something unpleasant appears, physically unpleasant, mentally unpleasant, the instinctive reaction is go away. I don't want to have to deal with this. This is, um, I don't need this right now. That's kind of feeling. Um, that is not a wise or a skillful or effective means of dealing with unpleasant phenomena. Um, when the mind is calm and balanced and centered, um, then it can act wisely and well. But if you're simply reacting to phenomena, 
then you generally won't be successful and you'll get very frustrated. So for instance, if you're feeling, you're suddenly feeling like stressed, you know, like uh, um, at school or in college and stress, what do you mean? How can I get rid of this? I don't want to feel stressed, you know. It actually increases the stress. So, so what do you do? You just say, okay, fully experience stress right now. What is stress? How, what is my present experience of stress? You know, do this technique of just going through uh, your body from your head down. And where exactly does stress appear? What is, its, what is its nature? And so rather than fighting against it, totally experience it. It's counterintuitive, but um, it really works. And you, and you can just, being present and being mindful of the experience of stress as a physical phenomena particularly, um, is relaxing. You can try it. So um, that's something to share with you. The other thing about uh, worries, and um, last night I was speaking to somebody, like there, there are two kinds of problems, okay, that you're going to face in your life. One kind of problem is solvable, and one kind of problem is unsolvable. Okay, so in the unsolvable problem um, category, why worry? Yeah, uh, because you know if you can't solve it, well, no matter how much you worry, it's still unsolvable. So in that case, worry is uh, throw worry out the window. And in the case where it's solvable, well, why worry? If it's solvable, you could just take the steps towards solving it. So why worry? So if you've got to sol- ask yourself, is this problem solvable? If it's solvable, well, just do the best I can to solve it. Why worry? If it's unsolvable, why worry? Yeah. So there's no reason to worry at all. <laughs> it's just um, a habit and an indulgence. And uh, you don't have to um, spend the rest of your life worrying about things. It's just... It's just a habit you've adopted, and it's a habit you can let go of. Okay, so, um, Anumotana, uh, for your uh, attendance and your efforts. Um, I've enjoyed having you all here again. I haven't had a chance to speak with many of you individually. Many of you have like familiar faces and uh, can remember from, from previous times. And um, wish you safe journeys back to uh, wherever you're studying or living. And uh, wish you all success in your endeavors. And um, next year, welcome you back again. Okay.